We, uh, if you couldn't tell from the video, we're going to be talking about Psalm 23 tonight. Psalm 23 is probably pretty familiar to you. Um, this quarter we're going through the, uh, the book of Psalms. Hopefully you're spending some time in the book of Psalms. and Obviously we can't do every single one of them at real life, but we're going through a selection of uh, different Psalms, and this week... Uh, we're going to be talking about Psalm 23. You, again, you may be familiar with it. You may even have it uh, memorized. It's very popular. It's very familiar. It's been in, you know, it was in X-Men or the Book of Eli. You know, it's, it's basically anywhere you look. It's been in movies and uh, films and all kinds of other things. And sometimes I think when we, when we come to, to familiar passages like this, we just sort of brush over them. Uh, especially for those of us that have uh, been in the church for a really long time. And so we'll, you know, we'll read John 3.16 and for God to love the world that he gave his one and only son. And yeah, 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 Tim Tebow said that at some point. And um, it, it just doesn't really hit home. You know, we read Jesus raising from the dead or Lazarus coming out of the grave and we just kind of yawn like, oh, that's great. I know this story. This is cool. And then Jesus wept, right? I know that verse. And so... Um, I think Psalm 23 is like that, and it, it again, sometimes I think it just brushes uh, right past us. Um, Noah, again, is, he's in Awana right now, uh, and so one of the things they do for Awana is they do memory verses, and Noah's memory verse from a couple weeks ago was about Easter, and so uh, periodically throughout the week we would ask him, hey, you know, hey buddy, what's your memory verse? And he'll say... He is not here. He has risen. You know, and he'll say it really defiantly and proud, like, I did it. And then, um, you know, we obviously are like, great job, buddy. That's really good, really good. And uh, so one time I was kind of like, hey, so who's, who's not here? Who has risen? Do you know who the verse is about? And he kind of looked at me, and he sort of like scratches his head like this, and he goes, well... Uh, and we usually know when he says, well, uh, like that, he's about to just totally make something up. He's just going <laughs> to, he doesn't have any idea. He's just thinking, like, what's going to sound the best right now? Uh, so he goes, well, uh, is it about you, Papa? <laughs> well, I wish. I wish I raised from the dead. That would be a, kind of a cool thing, but... Um, but it, it's, you know, it's like that. It's, he, so he knows, he knows the verse. And I think we know Psalm 23. If, it, and if you're sitting there like, I don't know, have any idea what Psalm 23 is, probably when we read it here in a minute, you'll, uh, it'll click uh, really quickly for you. And so one of the tricks, I think, to good Bible study for passages like this is just, just to slow down. Uh, when we read it, to, to maybe focus on each individual word, to maybe just take our time uh, going through the passage. And so a good, a good way to do that is honestly to get uh, a number of different translations and sometimes even to read them uh, side by side a lot of times. Um, and so what, what we're going to do is we're going to spend some time reading Psalm 23 in a few different translations. It's really short, so it shouldn't take uh, that long. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray, and then after I pray, we're going to have a few people come up and, and just read uh, Psalm 23 
for us a few times. One of the translations uh, will surprise you a little bit, but it'll be fun. Uh, and so I would even encourage you, maybe even keep your eyes closed uh, while they're reading through this psalm. And imagine, you know, imagine yourself in a situation where you're praying this prayer. Psalm 23 is essentially a prayer of David. Uh, you know, so imagine you're by uh, the quiet waters. Imagine you're in the pastor. Put yourself in the psalm. And so, would you, would you pray with me? Oh, God, we, uh, we really like laughing. We really like joy. We really enjoy you and your people. Um, we really enjoy knowing you. Uh, and we love your word. Would you make this psalm come alive to us tonight? Would it uh, hit our hearts in a very real way? Would you use me in whatever way uh, you would? And uh, would your spirit be in this place to do just do something, uh, stir up something in our hearts? In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He takes me to lush pastures. He leads me to refreshing water. He restores my strength. He leads me down the right paths for the sake of his reputation. Even when I must walk through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff reassure me. You prepare a feast before me in plain sight of my enemies. You refresh my head with oil. My cup is completely full. Surely your goodness and faithfulness will pursue me all my days, and I will live in the Lord's house for the rest of my life. Jehovah is mi pastor, nada me faltará. En lugares de delicados, pastos me hará descansar. Junto a aguas de reposo me pastoreará. Confrontará mi alma. Me guiará por sendas de justicia por amor de su nombre. Aunque ande en valle de sombra de muerte, no temeré mal alguno, porque tú estarás conmigo. Tu vara y tu callado me infundirán aliento. Aderezas mesa delante de mí, en presencia de mis angustiadores. Unges mi cabeza canaciente, mi copa está rebosando. Ciertamente el bien y la misericordia me seguirán todos los días de mi vida, y en la casa de Jehová moraré por largos días. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. 
You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Yeah, so that probably uh, rang a few bells for you if you didn't know uh, which psalm it was. Uh, There's really two main things that I want to say about Psalm 23 tonight. Uh, I want to say that Psalm 23 is a psalm of confidence, a psalm of comfort. Uh, This is obvious. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You lead me beside quiet waters. That that this is a psalm uh, in which we can find peace. So that's the first thing, that this is a psalm of confidence, a psalm of comfort. The second thing I want to say is that this is a psalm of comfort, a psalm of confidence amidst a world gone crazy. Uh, and so, that yes, there's the, there's the comfort and there's the confidence in being with the shepherd, uh, but the world has gone absolutely bananas. And so we're going to talk about those two things uh, just a little bit. So again, th- that this is a psalm of, 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 of confidence. Consider even the, the message version uh, of Psalm 23. God, my shepherd, I don't need a thing. I mean, wouldn't it be great to say I don't need a thing? You have bedded me down in lush meadows. You find me, be- you find me quiet pools to drink from. True to your word, you let me catch my breath and send me in the right direction. Throughout the history of the church, the Holy Spirit has used Psalm 23 in individual lives and the lives of communities to really bring peace and confidence. You may even have uh, stories from your own life of when you used Psalm 23 uh, to minister to your heart. You know, maybe you've been through broken relationships or uh, your family was uh, torn in, in one way or another or, you know, some, some sort of abuse. Any number of things uh, could have happened in your life where Psalm 23 was a great comfort to you. And it's obvious why. Uh, but my suspicion is that most of us in this room do not feel desperate that most of us in this room do not feel like we need the, the comfort. We feel fine uh, just the way we are. Just, I, I think that's even just a nature of our age. I think we just feel invincible. There's nothing that can hurt me. There's nothing that can get in my way. You know, bring on the Coda buses or, or whatever. <laughs> you know, there's nothing that's, that's going to... Uh, I'm invincible. You can't hurt me. Death is, you know, 70 years down the road. I don't even need to worry about that at all. Um, and so what I want to do is I, I, I even just want to pause the comfort part, the confidence part of this psalm and talk about, again, the second thing, that this is a psalm, a psalm of comf- confidence in a world gone crazy. And so there are hints, there are two hints at this in this psalm. And verse 4 says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, is the way David describes the world, really. And so this is not a rosy picture. 
Uh, It's not sunshine and butterflies and rainbows. The the valley of the shadow of death. I mean, that sort of imagery does not sound good. Even if you could picture it in your head, what it sounds like to me is it sounds like the Grim Reaper is sort of walking around. And I I don't know why, but in my head, the Grim Reaper sounds like Darth Vader. So he's going, you know, with his big scythe, just like waiting for somebody to hack. You know, that's what the world is like, is what the psalmist says. And then the second thing he says is that you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. That's what life is like. Sitting at, I mean, imagine you're sitting at a table with everyone that hates you. All of your worst enemies. Some of you in here probably don't have people that hate you, okay? You're good and holy. But most of us, (laughs) we know what enemies are like. And so just imagine like being at a table with all of your enemies. Imagine like what that meal would be like. I mean, don't get up from your seat because this dude's going to totally hock a loogie right in your food. You know, or like... Uh, any number of, yeah, I, there's totally food fights that are going to break out at this meal. Pass me the gravy. No, man, I wanted it first. And so you're just flinging it across the table. I mean, this is, this is just, this is the picture of the world, is what David is saying. It's like eating dinner with all of the people that hate me and want me dead. This is what the world is like. Uh, the world is broken and and totally messed up. Did you know that there are 925 million people in the world right now uh, that don't have enough to eat? They're, They're starving. You know, these are people that are digging through trash just to find food. 925 million is the equivalent of the, the four largest cities in the world. You know, you take the populations of Tokyo, Seoul, Mexico City, and New York City, add them all up. That's how many people are hungry. Did you know that there's 30.6 million people, including 3.4 million children, that are infected with AIDS? These little children that had no choice, they were just born into AIDS. You know, if you take L.A., Chicago, Detroit, and Philly, clump them all together, just to give you a picture of that's how many people have AIDS right now. And so this is a world that is, there's so many hungry mouths, and there's so many hurting people. Not only is the world broken, not only is it the, the valley of the shadow of death in terms of hunger and disease, this is probably the worst one. Did you know that every day the world spends five million hours playing Angry Birds? So not only is, is almost a billion people digging through trash to find food, we don't give a rip about it. We're more concerned with our iPhone games, flinging some bird into blocks or birds or whatever they hit, I don't, I'm not sure. I mean, that's the equivalent of, you say, you know, 
maybe a, a whole day is 16 hours. That's about over 300,000 people that do nothing all day. They don't get out of bed. They don't, and they just sit there and play Angry Birds on their phone. That's the equivalent of five million hours, and that's every single day. That's what the uh, makers of that game uh, reported about a month ago. And they did it like proudly. Hey, this is how good we're doing uh, about our video game. And so the world is so hungry and the world is so diseased and hurting. And then, you, and then you have people that are just so apathetic to it and don't even know about it. They've just totally numbed it. Did you know that there's, 700, there's anywhere from 700,000 to 1,700,000 women that are sold in the sex slave trade? They're in the sex slave trade right now, where they are systematically raped day after day after day, and this is their whole existence. This is all they do. If you took every single woman in this room, every single one of you, and we did that for every real life for the next 100 years, where we sold you into the sex slave trade. We would have to do that at every real life for the next 100 years to get the number of women that are trapped in this. And, and we're playing Angry Birds. So this is, this is the valley of the shadow of death. This is the picture that this psalm is painting. This is a world that is terribly broken, a world that is terribly gone awry. This is not what was originally intended. And I think maybe, maybe we can't relate to starvation. Maybe we can't relate to, um, we can probably relate to angry birds, but we, maybe we can't relate to AIDS or women in the sex slave trade. Um, I think we can relate to the brokenness of the world in our own ways. I, th I think we can relate to it in the loneliness maybe we feel in our hearts, or maybe the broken relationships we've been a part of, or maybe just, you know, s s you're sitting in your seat right now just thinking, I wish I just fit in in the world. I wish I could find a, a great friend that I could, like, tell everything to and would totally embrace me as, I, as my own. And I think we can relate to the brokenness in the world in our own hearts. You know, I think even if we try to be good people, even if we try to do what we know is holy or what God wants, we find we just can't measure up. And we're helping the brokenness. We're adding to it. Or we're just remaining totally apathetic to it. Uh, the way the Bible works, in the Old Testament, the story was that God called this people Israel, and he called them to bless the world. That God said, I'm going to bless you, and you're going to be a blessing to the world. Essentially, through your holiness, you are going to win the nations. You are going to be the light of the world was sort of God's commission to Israel. This is, this is, what I, this is, this is my rescue mission, is for you to be holy people and that the nations would see your light and they would come flock to me. And so somewhere along the story, Israel realized, hey, man, not only are we totally blowing it at this, not only are we not being the light of the world, 
the, we are the problem. The, the brokenness of the world is totally found in us. And so that's, so they, they saw we're not being the light of the world and we are adding to the problem. And so that's when Israel's prophets started to come up with prayers of hope, really. They started to wish, God, make it right. God, come back and heal the world. God, do something. Are you going to do anything? Are you a good God at all? Isaiah says something in Isaiah 40, one of the most beautiful pictures in all of Scripture. This is what your God is like is what Isaiah is telling these Israelites who are just so hoping for God to make it right. God tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young to a resting place. I mean, what a picture. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers, he gathers the lambs in his arms. He says, I see your brokenness. I see that you are not only failing at what you're supposed to do, you're part of the problem. I see that. What I'm going to do is I'm going to carry you close to, to my heart. And so what Isaiah is, is describing here is the cry of humanity, really. This is what we all want. And so you may, again, I, earlier I said, you may not feel desperate or needy enough to find confidence in this psalm, but what I want you to do is feel that on behalf of the world. I think if we ball up all of the world's pain, all of those women sold into sex, sexual slavery, I think if we ball all of that up together, all of those hungry mouths, and, and we just bring it before God and say, God, would you do something do something about that. Do something about my loneliness and my emptiness and my brokenness. Do something. Are you going to do anything? Are you a good God at all? This is what Israelites were wrestling through. And this is when David writes, Yes, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me beside quiet waters and into green pastures. And David was looking ahead to God's ultimate solution. I think Jesus was playing off Psalm 23 quite a bit in some of the things he said. And so in verse 1 of Psalm 23, you know, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And then, this, and then Jesus steps on the scene and says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. In verse 2, um, the psalmist says, You lead me, he makes me lie down in green pastures. And Jesus says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. God is saying, I know your hurt. I know the problems in the world. I am the one that will shepherd you. I am the one in whom you will find the, the pasture you're looking for. If you want quiet waters, if you want a healed heart, come to me. And then the third one uh, is, is the table. You prepare a table before me. 
And, and this is when Jesus says, I'm the living bread. You, know, you want to know what you're eating at this table? It's me. I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. It's my flesh that will bring you love and mercy all the days of your life. It's my flesh that will allow you to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I know that the world is a valley of the shadow of death, and I am your only hope, but trust in me, because I'm good, because I have risen from the grave. And so we believe that God, we believe at real life that God has answered the cry of humanity. I see your tears, is what God has says, and I come to the rescue. This is what God loves to do. He loves to ride in on the, on the white horse and save the day. He loves to win your heart, and he loves to win the world to him. And all the while, we just hope that he will ultimately do it. And so, um, I think the application for this is easy. You know, I think if, if we're wondering, hey, you know, where do I go from here with Psalm 23? You know, I think we have decisions before us in life. I think we have even something as simple as retreat. Do I go to retreat uh, or do I not? Well, you know, one place has the shepherd and his sheep. One place has the quiet waters and the green pastures. The other one has brokenness. Not that, you know... Should I, should I engage with students on campus about the Lord? One of the tools we use with real life is a tool called Solarium. It's basically 50 pictures. And one of the questions we ask as we're just sort of surveying what students believe about different things, the very last question is, hey, what do you want to be true of your spiritual life? What do you want so we're asking, you know, the, the question, what is the cry of your heart? What do you want for your spiritual life? And this is what students say over and over and over. I think the top one is even uh, the most popular one. The bottom one there, students tell me all the time. And you can just imagine their answers as they describe them. You know, you ask, well, tell me about it. You know, why'd you pick the sunset? Why'd you pick the, the little bird? And every time it's the same answer. I just want... I just want peace. I just want rest. I just want to be taken care of. I want to be protected. Students on this campus are saying, I want a good shepherd. I want to be led by quiet waters. I want to be led to a green pasture. I want to know that everything will turn out okay. And it is our job at real life, as God's ambassadors, to invite them into this relationship with the shepherd. Apart from us, they're not going to hear it. Apart from the body of Christ at Ohio State, they are not going to hear it. And so you're going to have opportunities coming up with Outreach Week. You'll have opportunities even with your small group leader uh, or you know, grab a, a staff guy or a staff lady in here if, if you don't have opportunities to invite people into this. To say, I know deep down, even if, if, if to say to Ohio State, I know what's going on in your heart. 
even if you can't articulate it right. I know there's pain, and I know that you want wholeness. I know you want these pictures. Let me tell you about the shepherd. Let me tell you about the quiet waters. And so once we allow the shepherd to lead us by quiet waters, I just, I just think the job is, is easy. So would you pray with me? Thank you, God, for being the good shepherd. Thank you for uh, who you are and that we can have confidence in you amidst a world gone crazy. Thank you that we find the craziness in our own hearts. We find the craziness in the world at large. We find the craziness in our own families. And we cry out, would you help? Thank you that you have decided to help in Jesus. That now we get the first fruits of your rescue mission. And we long for the day that you will wipe every tear away. And you will establish your kingdom of uh, utter joy and utter peace forever. We love you, Lord.